This is The Big Show with Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It's The Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's time to talk some BYU football. Let's get out to the Smart Rain special guest line. Utah will be in a drought next summer. Smart Rain knows that 2022 budget planning for most businesses is coming soon. Take advantage of their Save Now, Pay Later promotion and do your part by saving water while saving money. Check Best of State Award winner Smart Rain at smartrain.net. Joining us now, former BYU quarterback, our friend Tanner Mangum. Tanner, what's going on, buddy? What's up, Jake? How you doing? Hey, doing great. It was a pretty wild weekend of college football, and uh, unfortunately, BYU's undefeated season, undefeated no more. Give us a couple of thoughts about what you saw on Saturday. Yeah, it was a wild Saturday across the board. Uh, I mean, one of the better college football Saturdays in recent memory, and yeah, too bad for for BYU to be one of the victims. But uh, I think it. It, it, uh, I thought it, I thought it might happen at some point. I didn't think it would happen uh, this Saturday against Boise State. I thought they would be able to take care of business at home. Um, I think after last year's win, I thought they would kind of continue that momentum. But really, you got to give credit for Boise State for showing up and being the tougher team in in, uh, in the rainy conditions. Um, when it comes to Rainy conditions, ball security is is paramount. It always is, but especially in the rain, the ball is slicker. It makes it a little bit harder to throw, a little bit tougher to hold on to the ball. And BYU struggled with that, and Boise State didn't. And so I think it, this is a classic example of a team beating themselves. I think in a, nine times out of ten, I would say BYU is the better team. But when you beat yourself with mistakes, with penalties, with turnovers – uh, it's it's nearly impossible to win when you when you can, when you turn the ball over four times like that. So credit for Boise State for being the, the sharper team overall. You know the weird thing about that Tanner and this game did not go at all like I thought it was going to go. I'm with you. I I thought BYU was going to win. I thought it was going to be by double digits. I thought they were going to yeah. run all over Boise State Especially and, after that start. Yeah, and and it just it just didn't turn out. Uh, that way, and what's what's weird about it is this BYU team hasn't been perfect, right? But they haven't made a ton of critical mistakes, and they've been able to make the plays at the at the right times to to win the football games. It's just so interesting that that was not this game at all. No, not at all. And I think something that was interesting to me was a stat I saw about how for the last 15 games in a row where BYU has scored first, they've won. Hmm. And in this in this instance, they they scored first. They got off to a a great start. They were up ten nothing, uh, and I, I thought it was going to be business as usual. I thought BYU was going to take the momentum. I think that's that's where BYU does best uh, when they can start off fast. Obviously, the, the record proves it. Um, but yeah, it didn't turn out that way at all. And um, another interesting stat was the um, the, the defense. Um, as, as far as I mean, the defense gave up a. Ah, I can't remember the exact the exact number, the exact stat. There was something about giving up a certain amount of points. They'd won a certain amount of games, um, but this 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 uh, this loss snapped that streak. 
But I think there should be a caveat with this one. When the offense turns the ball over four times, you can't expect the defense to to play lights out. You can't expect the defense to put the shutout or to hold the team under 20 points um, because, you know, that's that's unfair to put uh, th- that much pressure on them with short fields. Um, it, and so I think if I, you know, with the – if you look at who is to blame or which you know which which unit offense defense special teams is is kind of more responsible, I think you really got to point at the offense because anytime you uh, turn the ball over that many times, it's it's unfair to ask your defense to uh, to handle all that responsibility. So uh, definitely not not what I saw happening, but that's football for you. You know, every week is a new story, and this one was the story of of ball security. They like you said. They've done a great job of taking care of the ball all year, but uh, they didn't do it on Saturday, and it came back to bite them. To your point about the defense, um, I think you're right on the money. One of my uh, completely wrong predictions before this game was if Boise was going to win, they were going to sling it all over the yard and uh, have a ton of yards and a ton of points. They only had 312 total yards, Tanner, and they they scored 26, but uh, 172 passing, 140 rushing. I mean, it's, it's, it's not like it was bombs away from that Boise State team. No, not at all. And that's all they needed. Uh, yeah. that, that's really, if you're Boise State, that's exactly how you want that game to go. You don't want to be caught in a shootout. You don't want to be caught in a situation where you're um, just slinging the ball over the field. You need some turnovers. That, that's Especially in the rain. It's, it, it reminds me of the 2016 Poinsettia Bowl where, where we played against Wyoming, against Josh Allen and, and, and Wyoming down in, in rainy San Diego. It was a messy, ugly game. Jamal Williams had had one of his best games, and and uh, but it came down to ball security uh, and turnovers, and we won the turnover margin, and that made the difference in the game. And 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 this was a an example of that, where in these types of situations, typically the team that takes better care of the ball will win. It's not going to be who has the most yards. It's not going to be who has um, the most uh, exciting offense that day. It's, it's just about the little things, about ball security. And Boise State did that, and BYU didn't. But then also credit Boise State for making the plays when they needed them. Uh, you know, I think Bachmeyer made some big throws in, in some big situations. Uh, Shakir, uh, the Boise State's receiver, made some great catches, great plays. Uh, so they made the right plays when they needed them, but overall they just they managed it. They, they managed the, the chaos. They handled the situation better going on the road rainy conditions they handled it and um it's unfortunate that BYU's um uh undefeated streak had to come to end like that in such a I think frustrating way when it comes down to turnovers like that there are a lot of things Tanner uh, I've talked to you about this in the past but I'm I'm not big on independence I'd rather see BYU in a league and that's happening of course which which is great I think it's a great situation with him in the Big 12 yeah I'm with you yeah, part of the hard part, though, with independence has been, you know, when they do, BYU does lose a game. All of a sudden it's, well, next stop, Shreveport, Louisiana, and the Independence Bowl, <laughs> you know? And, and yep. so how, I guess, how do, does the team deal with that, or do you think they, they feel a letdown, and how do you get over it? No, it's, I'm totally with you. It's definitely how it is. I think that's what's so great about having a conference to play in is that, in a way, it, it breathes new life into you after your non-conference uh, schedule. I mean, look at Arizona State, for example. They come into Provo and they lose, but then 
they go on and end up having a couple big wins, and now they're back on top in the Pac-12 South. They're a contender for their division in the Pac-12, and they've got a great shot to uh, you know, to win that conference and go to a Rose Bowl. They still have so much to fight for, so much to play for. But when you're an independent like BYU, you lose a game, and it, it drastically affects your chances at, at your postseason um, group of five or at-large bid for a New Year's Six Bowl. And now all of a sudden you're just you're just hoping that other teams lose to give you a shot, or you're you know hoping something works out that, to give you a, a, a chance at a, at a bigger bowl. But more more likely than not, you're just going to you know whatever generic uh, lesser tiered bowl it is you're you're assigned to. I don't even know what it is this year, but uh, that, that's definitely a downside of being independent. Which so I think the Big Twelve uh, having that conference to to fight for will be huge just in keeping guys motivated, keeping guys excited. I mean, I know, I know the guys will be motivated. It's not that they'll be, um, you know, working less hard or, or not as excited to keep playing and to keep winning. I think anyone on, on that team will tell you that they want to win, win out just as bad as anyone, but it is too bad that they don't have, won't have that opportunity to, uh, to play uh, at a, you know, at a new year six bowl, which I think they really, they, they could have had they won out. Granted, if, if they can keep one loss, I think there's still a chance but uh, it definitely definitely changes things moving forward. So the positive side of independence, we'll, we'll look at the, the other side of the coin here for a second, is it's allowed BYU to play many interesting opponents that maybe they wouldn't otherwise be able to play because of restrictions on how many non-conference games you play. And, of course, this week falls into that category, I think, uh, with a, a matchup yep. on the road against Baylor, who's a, who's a good team. There's familiarity with the coaching staff uh, down there, of course. And, you know, that is the nice part about independence is some of these matchups are really interesting, and I think we have one of those this week. Absolutely. That, that is perfectly said. Uh, I think um, this is an intriguing matchup. Uh, I think especially with, with Jeff Grimes being the offensive coordinator at Baylor, it makes it even more interesting. Um, you know, in, in my opinion, uh, it's last year when, when Coach Grimes was on the staff, it, it's an interesting mix uh, as far as where the credit goes for BYU's resurgence in their offense obviously coach Grimes was the offensive coordinator and Aaron Rodgick was considered the passing game coordinator um, and Fessy Satake was the receivers coach but I think anyone close to the program will tell you that that Aaron Rodgick and Fessy Satake were uh, instrumental and essential pieces of turning that offense around um, you know they had a lot of influence on the, the the concepts that were used the plays that were called um, you know, Zach Wilson was vocal and, and has vocally talked about that, about how involved th- those two were uh, in the offense. And so then Coach Grimes uh, gets the, the job at Baylor and and um, I think has established a new identity with that offense, with, with their, their outside zone run scheme. Um, they've obviously done a great job of taking care of the ball. They haven't thrown an interception all year, so they're, they're, they're Taking care of the ball, which is which is a must, but uh, you know, in what the film that I've seen, their passing concepts aren't as explosive or dynamic, or their their down the field passing game isn't quite as um, doesn't have as quite as much quite as much potential, in my opinion. And so it'll be interesting interesting to see how BYU's defense, who I think in practices last year and years prior, uh, BYU's defense played really well against Grimes' offense, and and so I think they're familiar with it. 
Uh, Eliza Tuiaki knows how to defend it. They saw it every day in practice. Uh, obviously, the passing concepts will be different because those are Rodericks and uh, Fessies. Um, but uh, I, I, it'll kind of be uh, a battle of, of wits with uh, Tuiaki and Grimes on Saturday. It should be fun to watch. What was your favorite road game you played in? I mean, I, I, ha, I ha, it sounds cliche, but I have to say Nebraska. Yeah. Uh, the, on Saturday, watching the Nebraska-Michigan game, I was I was talking to my wife about that stadium and just how impressive it was and when it's packed with 90,000 fans and just and how loud it was in that environment. Um, I mean, I remember yelling as loud as I could and, and hardly being able to hear myself. Um, it was it was so loud, and, but then after the uh, after the hail mary completion, hearing the uh, majority of it go silent, but that that one section of BYU fans go, go crazy. That was just a fun environment to be in. Wisconsin's definitely got to be up there. That was a great. Obviously, I'm highlighting the victories. We had a lot of defeats as well on the road. Um, you know, we played in the big house against Michigan in 2015. That was it was a, a blowout, 31-0, but an impressive stadium to be a part of. I think that's definitely one of the highlights of independence, but it's worth it to, to go to a conference and have a conference to play for. But yeah, those are, those are some of the, the highlights for, for me, the games that I played in on the road. I thought Nebraska would probably be your answer, but I thought Wisconsin might be a sneaky contender. And I'll, I'll tell you what I remember most about watching that Wisconsin game was when they did the jump around thing at the beginning of the fourth quarter. And it was you guys <laughs> doing it. It was all us. <laughs> yeah, yes. it was awesome. that, that, that crowd wanted nothing to do with the jump around at that time. That was that was fun. We, we decided, you know what? If this is, we're going to make this our thing, and it kind of it was there's a way of just showing who has the momentum. And um, but uh, I mean, how about Utah though? Yeah, going on the speaking of on the road games, going to the Coliseum and, and taking care of business against USC. I, I think it's a big win for that program. Big win for Cam Rising. Uh, that was a great road victory for them there. What did you think about Cam? Because I thought this, well, this was his best game, and that's that's not saying a, a, a lot because he hasn't played in a ton of them. But it felt like they they coached him a little more aggressively. I felt like he was allowed to do a little bit more. Yes, and, and something that I talked about um, with the kind of the Charlie Brewer Cam Rising uh, battle and coaches maybe giving a little bit more freedom to certain players after. Um, you know, the offense shifts, not only when you switch quarterbacks, but you kind of, you, you shift the, the style of play. You shift what, what plays you call and you let your, your backup quarterback, who's now the starter, you, you know, he's, he's got less to lose, if you will. And, and so you, you realize that it's, it's time to make a shift. I, I think something similar happened with myself in, in 2018 uh, when I was benched for, for Zach, uh, it, not only was the, you know, the quarterback switched out, but the offense changed up too because obviously a change needed to be made. Uh, the offense wasn't performing well. And so players, personnel needed to be switched up, play style needed to be switched up. And I think that's something similar happening with Utah. They're, they're changing it up a little bit. They're, they're trying new things. They're being a little bit more aggressive, um, you know, put, letting Cam do his thing and do what he's, what he's good at. And I think he not only is, uh, you know, the offense playing better, but I think they're, they're, they're playing together more. They're, they have more of a, an edge to them. They, they're, they're playing with some swag and playing with some confidence. And uh, I, I think it's, they've got a great shot now to, to kind of, I think, turn the tide a little bit and, and, uh, and salvage what looked to be a pretty bleak 
uh, start. I think they could, you know, if they keep this momentum going, they could have a, you know, a pretty respectable showing this season. You know, and I, I don't know if I expect you to have an answer to this, but this is just a, a compliment to you from where I sit. But uh, you bring up that 2018 and, and when, uh, you, you know, Zach Wilson got uh, brought in and, and uh, you uh, got benched, as you say. I always thought you handled that incredibly well. Like in, in today's day and age, especially, too, where it's all about self-gratification and, and getting what you want and all this, I thought you handled that like a, like a real pro for lack of a better word, like never heard a negative word from you. Whenever they show you on the sideline and all that stuff, you're always part of the team and all that. So, I, like I said, I don't know if I expect you to have a reaction to this, but I, I thought that said <laughs> a lot. I thought that said a lot about you. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, I, I thank you. Uh, I, I think what it came down to was what kind of teammate would I want to have uh, if if the roles were reversed, and you know, I just. I just thought about, you know, what, what kind of what kind of teammate am I going to be? What kind of leader am I going to be? And just try to really tap into my own uh, heart and just figure out how I wanted to handle it. I mean, obviously, the the frustration is there, the 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 anger is there, but at the same time, you have to you have to um, think about the bigger the bigger picture. Uh, and I think that's just, you know, I just, I just did my best to be the best teammate that I could be. But I appreciate that. Thanks for the for the kind words. Because I would have quit on the spot. And I know Lloyd would not only have quit on the spot, but he would have vandalized a car on his way out. So I thought, <laughs> <laughs> thought the way that you handled it was really, uh, really <laughs> admirable. And uh, and uh, we we always appreciate you coming on, Tanner. You always you n- you never shy away from the tough subjects. And even when that comes to comparing it to to something you've been through, that's why we love you. So thanks for coming on. Yeah. Well, no, of course. I think that's where the best experience comes from is learning from your own experiences. So, no, I'm ha- always happy to share it, and thanks for having me on. We appreciate you, buddy. Thanks, Tanner. Okay, take care. That's our friend Tanner Mangum, former BYU quarterback. And, uh, yeah, I mean, what a, what a situation he was uh, went through in 2018. And you know what? He's really right about that. And, and when he says that the offense was called differently after he was replaced, that was really true. Really true. If you think back to that year and how conservative the even that win against Wisconsin, remember all the fly sweeps and stuff, and they barely let let Tanner throw, and then you know he loses his job to the freshman who turns out to be pretty good. But all of a sudden BYU starts letting it out and and running a more aggressive offense. It would have been super easy for Tanner to blame the coaches, have a bad attitude, not help the young guy. You know, it would have been really easy to do that, but that's not the direction that he went, which I think, like I said, I think that says a lot about him. Not that he was in the same position as Charlie Brewer because Tanner probably couldn't have transferred, but, I mean, you know, in a similar situation, we see a a quarterback who transfers the next day. And, again, I don't blame him because it's an eligibility thing, but it's just Tanner went the road that that's the harder one to go down. You're right. I totally would have vandalized Probably the coach's car on the way out. Oh, yeah. There there would have been something. Yeah. Uh-huh. Kalani's car would have been just jacked. Yeah. I'm out of here. And you know what? <laughs> you're going to have to go to the body shop because yeah. your car's getting some damage. Either that or you're going to have to, kind of like on Tommy Boy, you're going to have to cover it up with uh, some cardboard yeah. of what I actually scratched onto there. Because it's gonna. you're not going to like it. Yeah. Let me just put it that way. Uh, but no, it, it's you did the right thing. Be a good teammate. 
And I, I thought that was interesting what he said. Pictured what he want in a teammate and try to hold himself to that standard, which could not have been easy. So there you go. Big thanks to Tanner for jumping on with us. Coming up next, Coach Tim Lacombe jumps on for a segment. We'll talk a little Utah Jazz basketball. Remember, pregame takes over at 6. It is the big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is DJ and PK. Dylan Colling, former BYU wide receiver. Right now, easy to say Alabama and Georgia are literally in a league of their own. But the rest of that pack, that 128 other teams, BYU is a playoff viable team, and they genuinely believe that. And so to go out there and to know you can put your third string quarterback in and just decide, yeah, we're just going to run all over this team, that is completely game changing. And to be honest with you, I don't see that really changing over the next five, six, seven years because of the momentum going into the recruiting pickup, the Big 12, all these different aspects that now BYU is playing. It's going to be very hard not to see BYU as a top 25 team for the next 10, 12 years. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 till 10 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.